0: The 1960s were a time of massive social upheaval in America. There was the Civil Rights Movement. We hold these truths to be self-evident,
1: that all men are created equal.
0: There was the Anti-Vietnam War Movement. Hell
1: no! We woke up! Hell no! We woke up! Hell no!
0: And then there was the Women's Rights Movement.
2: But if we do get
3: on with our revolution and we restructure society to make equality really possible, then I think the war between the sexes will end, and for the first time, we will have possible true
0: human sexual liberation. That's Betty Friedan. In 1963, she published The Feminine Mystique, which challenged the idea that women found their greatest happiness from being mothers and housewives. That book launched what we now call second-wave feminism.
2: At that time, women still couldn't attend most Ivy League colleges. They couldn't get legal abortions. They couldn't even serve on juries in all 50 states. And there were only eleven women in Congress. By the 1970s, these things were changing. It was because of the second wave feminist. Free abortion In that decade, many of the IVs went co-ed. In 1973, Roe v. Wade legalized abortion. That same year, women were given the right to serve on juries nationwide. And more and more, women ran for higher office, fighting for equality in the halls of Congress.
4: Work with me and vote for me. When I
2: win, you'll win. One of the leaders in the fight for women's rights was a Jewish lawyer from the Bronx named Bella Abzug.
5: Vote for Mrs. Bella Abzug, Democratic candidate for Congress, a wife and mother whose place is in the House, the House of Representatives.
0: Bella would become one of the most influential feminists of her time.
3: You know, in the beginning, I I was uh, a bit afraid of her, like everybody else. You know, I admired her, but I was afraid of her. But gradually, we became much more like family members.
0: Gloria Steinem was a journalist when she first met
3: Bella. I remember saying to her once, Bella, you are the mother I should have had. And Bella said, I'm not old enough to be your mother. She
0: <laughs> She was in awe of Bella.
3: It, it seemed to me that Bella was born to be one of two things, mayor of New York, a member of Congress, and. Probably President of the
2: United States. I am Nadia Butul Bukhari.
0: I'm Jeremy Fassler. This is Shoe Weather. We investigate New York City's past to find out how yesterday's news affects us today. This season, we're focusing on the 1970s. We'll look beyond the bell-bottoms and disco to explore what made this decade notorious in New York's history. A decade in which the Big Apple went by a far more sinister nickname.
5: Unionized employees of New York City who faced dismissal have put out a booklet describing Fun City as Fear City.
0: Bella Abzug was instrumental in New York City politics at the time. At the age of 50, she ran for Congress. Once she got elected, she passed laws that changed the lives of men and women in America. She cultivated an image of herself as battling Bella, always on the front lines for social progress. But her time in office was cut short when the same tactics and personality that propelled her to Congress would lead to her leaving only a few years later. Now that 50 years have passed since she became a congresswoman, we wanted to know. Why was she able to break through the glass ceiling? Why didn't she stay in power longer? And how did she make herself into an effective leader? This is New York City Drop Dead, The Woman in the Hat. When people asked Bella Abzug when she became a feminist, she gave one of two answers— The first was the day I was born. She was born in 1920, the same year that the 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote. The second was the day she defied Orthodox Jewish tradition. When her father died, Orthodox Judaism dictated that his son would have sung the Kaddish in the synagogue. The Kaddish is the Hebrew prayer for the dead. Here's what it sounds like. The problem was that he only had daughters.
6: In the Orthodox tradition, women and girls are relocated to upstairs in a synagogue or behind a curtain to sit separately from the men.
0: That's Bella's youngest daughter, Liz.
6: My mother decided with her grandfather that she was going to say the prayer for the dead, the Kaddish, every day for a year in their synagogue.
0: It was the first time Bella defied expectations for what women were supposed to do, and it would not be the last.
2: This sense of independence was something Bella learned at a young age from her mother. After her father died of a heart attack when Bella was only 14, her mother had to raise Bella and her sister as a single mom in the South Bronx. Here's Liz again. Growing up in the
6: Bronx and being independent, relatively independent than my mother was because she was raised by a single mom. She was a real survivor and an independent woman.
2: In a public conversation with journalist Ronnie Aldrich, Bella talks about how she broke gender norms as a young girl.
4: Started very early fighting for justice, fighting for my right to have my Emmys in the streets.
2: Emmys means marbles. Bella liked playing marbles in the streets even though that was usually thought of as a game for boys. She also liked riding bikes, and her mom wouldn't buy her one. So she made friends with the boys in her neighborhood and rode their bikes. When Bella graduated from college, she decided to pursue a career that didn't include many women, law.
4: Well, I can remember ever since I was a very young girl, saying that i was going to be a lawyer
0: bella went to columbia law school in 1942 during her second year she fell in love with a businessman named martin abzug who would become her biggest cheerleader he typed all her papers in law school because bella didn't know how to type she never learned on purpose she once told a friend if i knew how to type the lawyers would have always asked me to type things so i just decided i was not going to learn how to type martin's support of bella was a defining part of their marriage They treated each other as
5: equals.
4: Uh, My husband has always played a role in which he understood that I was a wife and a mother, but also was a lawyer who had a right and a duty to develop my talents and my potentiality and therefore worked side by side in the efforts to help with family, with the chores, and with the general decision-making we all participated in together, he
0: and I. After graduating Columbia, Bella landed a job at a law firm. But given how few female lawyers there were at the time, Bella had a hard time getting people to see her as one. Her daughter Liz remembers a story that her mom used to tell about that time.
6: When she was a young lawyer, she went in to represent a client into a firm and she walked into the reception and said, I am Bella Abzug from Kramer, you know, Cohen, such and such and such and such. And the receptionist said, OK, sit down. And 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes later, she's still waiting. So she went back up to the receptions and said, hi. I said, I am Belle Savitsky from the firm. And the reception said, well, we're waiting for the lawyer. And I thought, you know, my mother said, but wait a minute, I am the lawyer. She was so unused to seeing women as lawyers, the receptionist. She said, well, wait, the lawyer. My mother said, I am the lawyer.
0: Later that night, Bella complained to her husband, Martin. He had an idea.
6: This is the time of Eleanor Roosevelt and the hats, gloves. And he said, you know what, Bella, in order for you to distinguish yourself, why don't you wear a hat and maybe gloves like Eleanor Roosevelt, right? So my mother said, well, I'll try. I wear a hat.
0: Once Bella put on her first wide-brimmed felt hat, everything changed. Years later, she told a Newsday reporter that she liked the way she looked in them, and the more she wore them, the more people began recognizing her as Bella Abzug, the woman in the hat.
2: In the late 1940s, Bella worked on a case that would land her in the national spotlight. She went down to Mississippi to appeal the case of Willie McGee. McGee was a black man who was sentenced to death for sexually assaulting a white woman. Many people believed McGee was innocent, including celebrities like Albert Einstein. Bella argued that Miggy was having a consensual affair with this woman. This was a stressful time for Bella. Vigilantes patrolled the courthouse, keeping people from testifying about Miggy's innocence. During the trial, Bella received her first death threats and she suffered a miscarriage. In 1951, Bella got Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black to grant a stay of execution for McGee. But ultimately, the Supreme Court refused to hear his case and McGee was put to death.
3: I'm sure that you have heard over both radio stations, WFOR and WAML, that all channels open to Willie McGee to save his life have now been exhausted and the execution is to take place here this evening.
2: Even though Bellafield to overturn Miggy's death sentence. Every person we interviewed for this story brought it up as a defining part of her legacy.
0: It was this case that gave Bella a reputation on the national stage as a fighter for the persecuted. She'd then take that fight to Hollywood.
5: Are you now, have you ever been a member of the Communist Party?
1: Mr. Stripping? you must have some reason
5: for asking you, this place. You, you can do, address the do. good do.
0: In the mid-1950s, at the height of the Cold War, the fear over communism in the United States reached a fever pitch. Hollywood became a focus of Washington. The House on American Activities Committee was looking for communists in showbiz. Actors, writers, and musicians were brought before the committee, and if they didn't cooperate, they could be blacklisted, meaning they may never get to work in Hollywood again. Bella took many of these people on as clients. Although she was not able to keep all of them from being blacklisted, Bella earned a lot of friends in Hollywood, theater, and music. And Hollywood would eventually repay its gratitude.
2: By the 1960s, Bella looked around at what was happening in the world and grew more and more concerned.
4: I became much more aware of some of the larger problems outside of the country in terms of the struggle for competition between nations and ideologies.
2: She was especially concerned with the Vietnam War, which she called an illegal and immoral war. So she decided to become more of an activist. She organized protests against the war with the group Women's Strike for Peace. And I spoke out
4: against Vietnam when people were actually afraid to open up their mouths. Speaking up and working when
2: others were silent, that's been my life. But she soon realized that to make real change, she had to get involved in politics. So she became a political organizer working on behalf of candidates like New York Mayor John Lindsay. Lindsay was a Republican, but he was a progressive on social issues and he opposed the Vietnam War. Bella was an organizer for his re-election campaign in 1969.
3: I'm pretty sure that I met her in the New York Street, (laughs) where she was involved in a mayoral campaign.
2: That is how she first met Gloria Steinem.
3: You know, there could not be a better typical place to meet Bella because everyone in the New York Street was her friend, if, (laughs) if she was anywhere near them. She was interested in involving everyone.
2: Mayor Lindsay would go on to win his re-election, but Bella was not given a job in his administration.
4: And I spent a lot of time helping various candidates when they finally took a position that was a good position to get elected and organized people to help them get elected. And I got fed up with the fact that when I helped to get them elected, not much change took place. I also decided that it was time for women,
2: as you know, to be more represented in the power structure. It was then that Bella realized what she needed to do she would run for office herself. People need change. No congressional seat belongs to anyone. It belongs only to the people. On March 13, 1917, Bella announced she was running for Congress in New York's 19th district. At the time, there were only 11 women in Congress. Her slogan was, This woman's place is in the House, the House of Representatives. That message and her legal activist work got her the attention of other feminist leaders at that time. Several joined her that day. One of them was Shirley Chisholm. She was the first black woman ever elected to Congress.
5: I've traveled a great deal and I've never seen a place where people are so hung up on sex physically, psychologically, educationally than in the good old USA.
2: So was Betty Friedan, who wrote the Feminine Mystique. And we
3: need the constitutional guarantee of equality. And we also need it because there are great many people, especially housewives, Mm -hmm. who really are discriminated against.
2: Gloria Steinem was there. She was excited for Bella, but worried about her chance of winning.
3: Yes, I always worried, you know, because she was so ahead of her time and outspoken that clearly she uh, had adversaries.
0: Gloria had good reasons to worry. Before she could win the general election, Bella had to win a primary against a sitting Democratic congressman. His name was Leonard Farbstein. Farbstein was a moderate Democrat who'd been in office for 14 years. Harold Holzer, who was a journalist for the Manhattan Tribune at that time, remembers him this way. Farbstein was deeply unpopular
1: and very tough, vicious as a fighter. But he had always won by a handful of votes. So we were, and we'd never seen, we'd never laid eyes on him. In fact, no one had
0: ever <laughs> laid eyes on him. He lived in Washington, not in the district. Not only was Farb seen unpopular because he was absent from the district, he also supported the Vietnam War. Progressives had been trying to replace him with one of their own since the late 1960s when the anti-Vietnam movement took off. But they'd always come up short.
2: There was another challenge facing Bella. The fact that she was a woman. In 1970, the idea of women openly campaigning for office was pretty new. There had been female representatives and female senators before. But as Steinem explained, they usually go to office a different way.
3: The only way for women to get into high political office is to have a husband who has it and he dies. And we suggested that 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 path to power was a little hard on men.
2: It's true. About half of the women who had ever been in Congress inherited their seats from their late husbands. But times were changing. Women like Shirley Chisholm had won by running themselves. Bella hoped to follow in her footsteps.
0: The 19th District, where Bella ran for Congress, looked like a backwards J. It started on Manhattan's Upper West Side and cut through downtown. It ended at the East River. It was a working and middle-class district, and it was growing more diverse. Jews and African Americans lived on the Upper West Side. Hispanics and Asians lived on the Lower East Side. And one of the biggest issues facing the city and the district was unemployment. It was 8.7% in the 19th District. Jobs were leaving New York. Political scientist Esther Fuchs explains more.
6: While there were still working people and middle-class people living on the West Side and the Lower East Side, a lot of the city was hollowing out to a certain extent. There was an increase in poverty and an increase in need, essentially. And so the needs of the population and the needs of the city were very high at this period, and the capacity of the city to actually solve these problems was reduced dramatically.
0: Bella's message was that the only way New Yorkers would get help was from larger changes to U.S. policy.
4: And the biggest injustice is The people in this country have been subjected to tyranny by reason of the fact that the benefits and the great traditions and the great resources of this country, the richest country, and one of the greatest countries in the world, have not been made available
0: to the people. She argued for a total withdrawal of troops from Vietnam. That way, the government could stop paying for missiles and start paying for infrastructure, and that would bring jobs back.
4: That there be an end to militarism, that there be immediate commitment of our energies and our resources, the business of our real democracy, which is to make it possible for all the people in this country to have decent homes, to have shelter, to have hospitals.
0: Bella also campaigned on equal pay for women, public housing reform, and universal child care. She even had a daycare center in her campaign headquarters for female volunteers to drop off their kids.
4: These are the things that I am committed to. These are the things I have been
2: fighting for. She ran her campaign out of New York's West Village, where she lived with her family. Bella's neighbor, Joe Guilford, saw her campaigning at the time.
1: I remember the excitement, and I remember it's just you're for Bella or or you're against civilization. (laughs) It was like there was no gray area there, but I think that was also
2: Bella. Bella pounded the pavement from day to night making herself available to every voter in the district, something that her opponent, Favstein,
1: did not do. That is absolutely right. And, And she was someone that was just out in the neighborhood all the time. You stopped her on the street, she would not be aloof at all. She would stop and talk to anybody.
2: Bella also gave out catchy campaign merchandise, as Harold Holzer remembered.
1: She was giving out shopping bags that said, carry Bella to Congress. Um, she had great slogans like absolutely, uh, this woman's place is in the House,
0: dot, 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 the House of Representatives. Pretty soon, Bella amassed an army of volunteers. Many of them were young people in their 20s and 30s who said they were inspired by her passion. One of them was Peter Riegert years before he became famous playing Boone in National Lampoon's Animal House. It's not gonna be an orgy, it's a toga party. Peter was one of Bella's most dedicated campaign
5: aides. The thing that was great about Bella was she understood the theater of politics and she was a brilliant orator and she loved debating with people and loved challenging them, even those who would, you know, disagree. I didn't realize at the time, but the two months I spent with her was like the greatest acting lesson I could have ever got.
0: Bella also had something else going for her, celebrity endorsements. These were not as common in the 1970s as they are now. But remember, Bella had made a name for herself in Hollywood fighting against the blacklist decades prior. These endorsements were crucial to Bella's campaign. She couldn't access funds from the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Those were reserved for incumbents like Farbstein. So Bella brought out the stars. Jane Fonda, Warren Beatty, and Rita Moreno were among her biggest supporters. Bella's most prominent celebrity endorsement was from Barbara Streisand. Bella was the first candidate she ever endorsed. Here she is singing Happy Days Are Here Again at a concert called Broadway for Bella. Any Barber fans out there, take note. This is the only time she ever sang this song song, up-tempo. Bella's daughter Liz says it wasn't just her mother's record fighting against the blacklist that led to all these celebrity endorsements. It was Bella herself.
6: Truthfully, Jeremy, it's because she was a star. Now, what do I mean by that? She was really very much dynamic, very engaging. You know, her mother always thought she, her mother thought she'd be an actress. She was very attractive as a younger woman, by the way, Mary, you check it out. And she, people who were in Hollywood, I think glommed onto her because she was such an unusual dynamic and so articulate and yet fun loving, had a great sense of humor. So in that respect, she was a real
2: personality.
0: Whatever the reason, celebrities held several fundraisers for Bella, and they were critical for her campaign's success.
2: Towards the end of the campaign, Ferbstein realized how much Bella's campaign and message were resonating. So he came back to the district from Washington. By then, as Harold Holzer explains, it was too late.
1: furbstein could not keep up with him. He had no idea that women's rights had become a viable new
5: cause in the United States.
2: The night before the election, Peter regret was driving
5: Bella home. It's probably one thirty in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and she was wired. And she said to me, uh, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well, all I've got is my opinion, but based on what I'm seeing, I think you're going to win." And she said, "Hmm," kind of made a noise like that. And I said, what's wrong? She said, I don't want to go to bed. Where, what do you want to do? I said, uh, well, there's a bar around the corner called the Corner Bistro. She said, great idea. And we walked in at two o'clock in the morning and the place erupted in applause.
2: As it turns out, Peter was right. Bella defeated furstein by 10 points. Or as she later said, 70,000 shopping bags.
5: She said something after it was clear that she won. I'm I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember it exactly. But it was something along the lines of, now what do I do?
0: (laughs) Bella's winning the primary made her a virtual lock to win the general election. The 19th District hadn't voted for a Republican since the 1920s. Still, she wasted no time getting right back to work. A Republican opponent was radio host Barry Farber.
4: A broadcaster
0: has better credentials for Congress than almost any other profession I can think of. In their debates, Farber constantly talked over Bella and belittled her credentials.
4: But I assure you, Mrs. Abzug, that I have interviewed, cross-examined, explored more social issues with more experts from more neighborhoods of our district at greater length than more languages than you have. And I think I've lived in the district longer and I don't like the appellation of beginner any more than I like the appellation of hawk. And I'll ask you to withdraw that too. I think that broadcasting is a very important industry. And since you've been so good at it, I think you should remain in the
0: industry. Farber grew increasingly desperate throughout the fall. He claimed that the moderator at one of their debates had rigged it for Bella a claim for which there's no evidence. He also questioned Bella's Jewishness, asking his listeners to send evidence that Bella had ever protested the Soviet Union's mistreatment of Jews. If anybody listening, beginning with Bella Abzug, has any evidence that Mrs. Abzug has ever
1: protested Soviet mistreatment of Jews, get that documentation,
0: please. Farber's mudslinging ended up cutting into Bella's margin of victory. She beat him by less than she beat Farbstein in the primary, but she still beat him. On January 3rd, the day she was sworn into Congress, she made an impromptu speech to her fans who had gathered at the U.S. Capitol.
4: I just came out to say hello, to say how pleased I am to see you all here, and together we will do things. But I must go inside first, and I will be back outside again, and together we'll talk and make our commitment on these steps. Thank you very much for coming. Happy day. Ah, here.
6: Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: When Bella arrived in Congress, she got right to work. Sir Jeremy, how many credit cards you have?
0: I have 3. How about you?
2: I have 5 and it's because of Bella Bella's in the 1970s, women were not allowed to have their own credit cards. If they wanted one, their husband had to sign for it.
4: So I called up Martin, my husband, and I said, what do you believe? Do you love me because American Express does and they want you to sign for my card. He said, I love you, Bella, but American Express is going to have to give you their own card and I'm going to fight with you until we do. When
2: Bella was in Congress, she passed the Equality Credit Opportunity Act, which allowed women to get their own credit cards. She made a parody credit card commercial about this. So
4: carry an American Express card as a symbol of women's rights to credit.
0: Bella also brought greater transparency to government. She pushed through the Sunshine Laws as part of the Freedom of Information Act. If you've ever read a transcript of a government agency meeting, it's because of Bella Abzug. She also got much-needed money for New York, She helped pass the Interstate Transfer Amendment, which brought billions of dollars into New York for improving mass transit systems. She wrote the 1972 Clean Water Act, which brought jobs to New York by building new sewage plants.
4: And we demand equality now and only one way, by the ratification
2: of the Equal Rights Amendment. And she became one of the biggest advocates for the Equal Rights Amendment, which would give women equal pay. Unfortunately, the Equal Rights Amendment has never been ratified in the Constitution.
0: Bella also failed to get her childcare bill passed. She wrote it with Shirley Chisholm. It would have established a multi-billion dollar national daycare system for working parents. It was passed in the House and Senate, but it was vetoed by President Nixon. Bella hated Nixon and the feeling was mutual. During the Watergate hearings, it was revealed that Nixon included Bella and Shirley on his enemies list. A list he made of congressmen, senators, and celebrities who opposed him.
2: And not all Bella's constituents like her either. Here's Joe Guilford again, who was one of Bella's neighbors in Manhattan.
1: Her her personality, which was very aggressive if it needed to be, and mostly aggressive when she was in um at rest, you know, sort of mildly aggressive at rest. And 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 frighteningly aggressive when she had her motor running. So it was not something that appealed to everybody.
2: She didn't suffer fools gladly. Journalist Carol Zimmer, who interviewed Bella once, recalls how Bella exerted herself when confronted by something she disagreed with. There
3: wasn't a lot of room for back and forth with Bella. She kind of took up a lot of space. Uh, if you if you said something that Bella didn't like, she'd just like be back at you in about 10 seconds, you know, like, actually, no, that is
2: not the way it happened. It happened like this, you know, and very forceful. While looking through the Columbia archive, I found hate mail that had been sent to Bella. Here are some of things they said about her.
0: You are an ancient crock of rancid cow flop. Fat ass with a loud mouth, take a hint. It's a big mouth, what the hell are you? A man that didn't quite make it?
2: So what was the effect of those type of letters on your dad? What was the feeling of a man uh, who is listening about his wife?
6: So when people attacked her, he was hurt by it. I mean, you know, because she was heavy at a later point of her life. She was not as a young woman, but, you know, she had gained same weight. So sometimes they attacked her for that, right, in the Congress or in the media or whatever. Sure, he was hurt by that. And what he would do is, when he got really mad, he would go after the people that attacked her. He was a more of a quiet guy. But when, it got pu- when he got pushed, when they got pushed to the extreme, he would,
2: he would take care of it. In 1975, the year that New York City went bankrupt, Bella decided that she was ready to take her skills to the next level. She decided to run for Democratic nomination for Senator from New York.
4: If you go into the Senate at this particular moment, there are no women there. It's a uh, a no-woman's land. Or uh, as I I and others have said, it's a a stag Senate and that means a stagnation.
2: Not only were there no women in the Senate, but New York had never had a woman senator. But in order to run for Senate, Bella would not be allowed to run for re-election in the House of Representatives. Bella's husband Martin believed running for Senate was a mistake. He wanted her to stay in the House. Bella believed this was her moment. She was either going to the Senate or going home.
0: Bella's main competition for the Democratic Senate nomination was Daniel Patrick Moynihan. He had served in the Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, and Ford administrations.
1: The United States Senate needs a voice that is unafraid to tell hard truths about national policy in an age of policy
0: ignorance and dishonesty. He had a reputation as an intellectual, but he rubbed some people, even Democrats, the wrong way, especially Gloria Steinem.
3: No, Moynihan was nobody you would ever want to represent you. Are you kidding me? He was just completely dictatorial. Nobody could talk
0: around him. <laughs> Bella didn't think highly of him either. She especially criticized him for working in the Nixon administration.
4: At least his announcement makes the choice in the primary clear. Between Mr. Nixon's man, Daniel Moynihan, with his record of defending the gang that gave us Watergate and my own six-year record of congressional service in the best progressive and humane tradition of the Democratic Party.
0: For most of the summer of 1976, Bella and Moynihan were neck and neck in the polls. Whoever won the primary would have a good shot at winning in the fall against incumbent Republican Jim Buckley. Harold Holzer had become Bella's press secretary by that time. He spent months working on the campaign with almost no time off, the week before the election. He decided to take a break.
1: Bella was scheduled to go to the Rhinebeck Fair, which sounded so innocuous that we decided to take our first weekend off.
0: It was then that Bella made her biggest mistake.
1: Bella was asked at this fair, if Moynihan wins the primary, will you support him? And she said, we'll have to see, or something like that. The explosion of press was immediate and
0: disastrous. This was in stark contrast to Moynihan. I will most assuredly
1: support whichever Democrat does win if I do not. And I would hope the other Democrats will make a similar pledge.
0: Who, when he announced his campaign, said he would support whoever the nominee was. Bell was seen as uncompromising, not being a team player. And the Moynihan campaign ran with it.
1: I remember the Moynihan campaign said something sexist, incredibly sexist, apparently a print dress does not a lady make, and that she was a rule-or-ruin politician. It exposed her toughness at the expense of her humanity.
0: She lost the primary by 1% of the vote. She would never hold elected office again. Moynihan won the general election and remained in the Senate for 24 years. His successor was the first woman ever elected to the Senate from New York. Hillary Clinton.
2: For the rest of her life, Bella remained a leader of women. In 1977, President Carter made Bella the chair of the National Women's Conference.
4: Now let us make this conference the beginning of a stage in our quest for making democracy the thing it should be and should have been 200 years ago.
2: It was the largest gathering of women ever in the United States.
4: This is the time that we will make.
2: Men share equally in the greatness of America. She would go on to work for the United Nations, establishing the organization's first-ever NGO that was focused on the environment. Her work with the United Nations took her all over the world. Soon, women everywhere began identifying with her.
3: And I remember uh, a, a young woman, and when I met her, she said, I am the Bella Abzug of Yugoslavia.
1: When she came to the United States, she said, I'm known as the Bella
0: Abzug of Kenya.
6: I'm the Bella of my village in Bangladesh.
0: Bella died in 1998.
3: Now, since Bella did pass away, Eleanor Roosevelt has been keeping me updated on all the dramatic changes in heaven.
0: At her funeral, Hillary Clinton delivered the eulogy while wearing a hat.
3: She has already started organizing a whole slew of what she calls non-governmental
0: angels.
3: (laughs) All of whom are now sporting buttons reading, A Woman's Place is in the Heavens.
0: Her legacy continues to this day. In 2018, a young bartender from Queens defeated an incumbent congressman.
2: This is what is possible when everyday people come together in the collective realization that all our actions are powerful, worthwhile, and capable of lasting change.
0: Now Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has become a leading spokesperson for progressive causes, much like Bella. In 2019, AOC tweeted, members of Congress still pass down stories about Bella Abzug's legendary tenure on Capitol Hill.
4: I mean, if we're right, and as many of you know, I'm a feminist, (laughs) or have gleaned that I am, that feminism is something more than a political philosophy and movement relating only to the rights and just powers of women. If we are right that it's a vision of what we love and how we would like society to be, then our goals must be more than just bringing women into existing structures. It means that In order to accomplish these goals, we will have to transform these structures because present institutions will not do it.
0: Shoe Leather is a production of the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. This episode was reported, written, and produced by me, Jeremy Fassler.
2: And me, Nadia Batul Bukhari.
0: Joanne Farian is our executive producer and professor. Rachel Quester and Peter Leonard are our co-professors. Special thanks to Columbia Journalism Librarian Christina Williams, Columbia Digital Librarian Michelle Wilson, Michael Barbaro from The Daily, Civil Rights Attorney Ron Kuby, Madeline Barron and Samara Freemark from In the Dark, Emily Martinez and David Blum from Audible, Susan White from Garage Media, Professor Dale Maharaj, Fevin Mered, Elise Manoukian, Rachel Pilgrim, and Josh Lash. Additional sound mixing by Peter Leonard. Shoe Leather's theme music, Squeegees, is by Ben Lewis, Doran Zuna, and Camille Miller. Remixed by Peter Leonard. Other music by Blue Dot Sessions. For this episode, Barbara Streisand audio was provided by Matt Howe of the Barbara Archives. To learn more about shoe leather in this episode, go to our website, shoeleather.org. To stay up to date on the latest shoe leather happenings, follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash and on Instagram and Twitter at Shoeweathercast.